Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. From a unanimous local school board vote. Passes 9-0. To national attention. Be our friends. To hate mail and threats. We want to warn you, they're pretty graphic. Emails that we got through an open record request, some of them said one of the board members, they called for her and her children to choke and die. Your school board is made up of hateful, loathsome, evil monsters. I hope they come for you with torches and pitchforks. Everybody knows who you are and everybody sees your picture. And so enjoy going to a restaurant and having all your food spit and pissed and shit in. You're evil, and you will pay for this. What you need to know about the school lunch debate in Waukesha, how we got here, and what comes next. From the Fox 6 studios, this is Open Record. I'm Amanda St. Hilaire, and I'm here with my colleague Brian Polson. Hey, Brian. Hi, Amanda. We are recording this episode on Wednesday, September 1st. We are here once again with Fox 6 reporter Jason Calvi, national Murrow-winning Fox 6 reporter Jason Calvi. We haven't had you on since that was announced for the podcast, so Jason, we just want to welcome you back and and say congratulations to you as well for all of your contributions to Open Record. Hey, congratulations to you. It's a great podcast. Thanks for having me on. So, Jason, we have a lot to unpack today, no pun intended here, uh, when we talk about school lunches. Um, quite a food fight that took place in Waukesha, and and obviously it, it made uh, national, global attention, frankly, international uh, uh, news. So let's go back to June when the Waukesha School Board took the vote that precipitated all of this, a vote on school lunches. What was that all about? So, yeah, it was in June and it was a unanimous decision. The uh, It was a nine to zero vote of the Waukesha School Board, which is about, what, 30 minutes outside of Milwaukee, one of our biggest cities in the state of Wisconsin, for those who are outside of the area, uh, not pronounced Waukesha, which uh, sometimes people will pronounce it differently. Uh, but uh, but that's the gist if you're not from Wisconsin. Uh, so they decided at that, at that June meeting unanimously not to rejoin this federal program, which was providing free meals to all students. And instead, they, they, they decided to go with the pre-pandemic program, which was free and reduced lunch to lower income students. So that was their decision in June. And then it just became a, a really hot button issue in the last uh, couple weeks where there was a lot of uh, national attention in the last few days, actually, uh, really criticizing this move. And, um, and what was the reasons back in June that the board members gave for opting out of the free meal for all program? Well, uh, one of the things that was brought up across the board was that the most needy students were going to be helped regardless of, of whether they opted into the F- Meals for All program or the old uh, pre-pandemic program of uh, free and reduced lunches for poorer students. So uh, one of the, the school board president, Joseph Como, he said um, this was part of the normalization process of going back to life you know, before the pandemic, going back to the free and reduced lunch program as opposed to 
providing free meals to everybody. And, and at that meeting in June, you know, he said, the school board president said, you know, if, if, if people are being missed, we're, we're not, it doesn't, it doesn't seem like we're missing those people. Um, they're, they're, they're covering those families in need uh, pretty well. And they have stop gaps, you know, in place that would help them uh, if, if there was an issue where they were having struggles with, with providing food for their family. So that was what the, the board said in June. Uh, there was another committee meeting earlier in May. And at that meeting, uh, one of the uh, one of Karen Reinacek, who's one of the board members, had had some comments. She was, you know, against the the free meals for all program, and she said money doesn't grow on trees. Uh, and one of her comments in in May ended up gaining national attention in the last couple of weeks, especially uh, Friday when the Washington Post uh, put out the headline. Uh, they had a, a headline that said, uh, a school district opted out of a free meals program saying students could become spoiled. So these words about spoiled were, were national controversy and, and we were able to look at emails and voicemails that, that were directed to the Waukesha School Board and a lot of them brought up the, these words of uh, worries about people being spoiled. So I think it'd be important to put Karen Reinacek's comments into full context. So let's listen to those words right now. But when you just make a blanket, everything's free for everyone, that means that there are people out there that do not have kids that are paying for my kids to eat. Can we just get back to if I have children, I should be able to provide for them. And if I can't, there is help for them. But stop feeding people that can provide for them. I feel like this is a big problem and it's really easy to get sucked into and to become spoiled and then to just think it's not my problem anymore. It's everyone else's problem to feed my children. So I don't agree with it at all. Every time I hear the word free, I just think it's not free because it doesn't grow on trees. They're not just going picking money off. It's other people paying for our children to eat. And when we can provide for that in our own way, in our own family, I think it's wrong for for us to take it. So Jason, we have a situation where if I'm getting this right, the school board is saying instead of all students automatically getting a free lunch, and this is a a federal program, program paid for by the federal government, instead we're going to go back to a system where you essentially apply in order to have a free lunch based on your needs. It became clear from looking at the emails and the text messages that we obtained through an open records request that a lot of the people sending messages to the board members thought that the vote was to completely eliminate the free breakfast and lunch program. And that's not what happened here. That's that's right. Yeah, a lot of them, you know, said that, you know, they were they were directing it to to the uh, board members that they were they were really how how could you not feed poor poor children i mean there was the shock uh of that uh idea but uh, as the board members would would tell you they they were they were just going back to the pre-pandemic program of free and reduced lunch for for those poor kids but when you talk to you know there there are people in the community there was an organization appearance called the alliance for education in waukesha and they they had a protest uh, they had you know had been a petition as well and they also had a protest on friday and and had really been pressuring the board to revisit their decision to opt out of the free meals for all program and you know when you talk to them like i, I talked to one of the leaders uh david uh, dringenberg and, and he said, 
you know, there are people that were getting lost in, 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 that wouldn't qualify for the free or reduced lunch program who were struggling. You know, pe- people um, that might not have qualified but still were struggling that were being helped with the free meals for all program. He, he said, uh, you know, he knew a, a dad that had lost his job. They, they had income coming in, but it just it wasn't enough to support you know, support the needs of the family. And so this program helped that, that dad provide food for his children at school, not having to worry about how they're going to, to make that, that meal um, an option by just by having the free meal at, at school. So those are the comments that we heard. We, there was one of the voicemails that we did here in that open records request, again, was, was a similar story of, of somebody who, who really spoke passionately about how their dad had, had you know, lost, lost his income, but they would, you know, it would fluctuate. Income would come in at some times. They would qualify for the, they wouldn't qualify for the free lunch program and other times. It, so he said, you know, having something like this, which was no questions asked, meals for all, would have been a really helpful program for somebody like him. And, and that's the other thing that was brought up was the stigma, right? That in having the free meals for all program, there's no questions about, well, are you poor? Or are you not poor? You know, everybody was getting the meals. And, and I think the worry for some parents was that there would be the stigma on if you went back to just the, the, the children coming from lower income families receiving the free lunch, receiving the reduced price lunch, um, that there would be a stigma upon them in the, in the midst of a pandemic. Why put extra pressure on people? So you can see both sides of the argument here, really f- debating and, 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 and trying to figure out what's best for Waukesha, what's best for the community. Um, and, and this all played out with, uh, with the board actually deciding to revisit their decision that they made unanimously back in June. So they did have that, uh, they did have a board meeting on Monday to revisit and they voted five to four. They voted five to four to go back to the free meals for all program. I want to I want to step back for a minute, Jason, because for people who have paid attention to the news or they've read the Washington Post or they've seen the things online, it they're aware that there was a huge controversy over the board first voting to opt out of this free lunch for all program and then opt back in after getting so much vehement pressure uh, uh, from from you know their own community and from communities all over the state and all over the or all over the country all over the world. Uh, but what's going on behind it, I think, is what gets lost in short news stories about uh, about vitriol and reaction. And if we step back for a minute, as you've said here, before the pandemic, there was a program, and the federal programs have lots of rules, and 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 there's you have to qualify based on income to get free and reduced price lunches uh, for a student, and there's you know whatever qualifications are required, income certainly one of them students or their parents would have to apply. And then once they apply, then they can get this all year long. Um, and that's been the way it's been for a long, long time. The pandemic changed a lot of things. In the midst of a crisis, in the midst of a national emergency, uh, there were all sorts of federal waivers lifted for various things. Unemployment, obviously, being one of them. Work searches were suspended. Moratoriums on evictions. Well, free and reduced lunches were opened up to all. Let's just make it simple. Let's make sure everybody's fed. And now we're in that tricky area where the pandemic has been waxing and waning. It, it goes away, it surges, it goes away, it surges. And there's obviously a political divide over, is the pandemic over? Should we still be doing, are, should people get vaccinated or not? Should they wear masks? This is another one of those now political hot potatoes of when do you stop providing free lunches for everyone when obviously a lot of people can afford it and wouldn't have qualified before. What stands out to me here, though, 
is that Waukesha is the only school district in Wisconsin that voted to do this. Even though they voted unanimously, no other school district voted to opt out of this this early. Why did they vote? Why are they the only ones that voted to opt out of this so early in the process? Well, I think there was, you know, there was in Waukesha, there was a, a sense brought up in the various committee meetings and, and you can you can go there. They're on YouTube. Uh, the Waukesha School Board ha- has these the meetings on the YouTube on their YouTube page. And I think it's, it is helpful to, to get a sense for what the debate was. But but again, it was. Okay, food's going to waste. You know, some people are not taking advantage of the, of the free meals, and food is going to waste. Uh, you know, the other argument, which which we also did hear from uh, from board member Reinecheck, was the idea that money doesn't grow on trees. You know, um, that uh, that why provide free meals to to wealthy families? Why, why why do that? I mean that 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 was the honest question that these school board members or some of them had in Waukesha and it led to that unanimous vote in June. Um, but you are right. Uh, we did speak to the Department of Public Instruction for Wisconsin and, and they said Waukesha is the only uh, eligible. Now that's the key word eligible school district in the state to opt out of this this uh, free lunch program for all students. Uh, but there are still, there are actually 13 school districts in the state that don't qualify for that program. So it, it's it, you know not, not right to say it's the only school district in the program, uh, the only school district in the state not to take this program. It's the only eligible district to opt out of the program because 13 well, there are school- certainly There are certainly other eligible districts that have conservative political views by sure. and large. I mean, you might look at, at other communities, perhaps in Lake Country. You might look in Ozaukee County, uh, the Port Washington School District, Grafton, Cedarburg, others that may or may not, at least they certainly have a mix of of political opinions where, where, this, where this may fall either way. They didn't choose to go this route. It does make you wonder what was it about Waukesha that pressed this forward on a unanimous vote. It wasn't, the original vote wasn't five to four. It was nine nothing. Right. Yeah, and and I, that's that's a question. I don't know if if other school districts across the state are going to see what happened in, in Waukesha. Obviously, they got that national attention. So, uh, in a lot of hate mail, a lot of uh, angry voicemails, and things like that. So, I don't I don't know if 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 other school districts are going to follow Waukesha's lead. Some of the conservative districts might follow Waukesha's lead. I, I don't know about that. But uh, but again, there are thirteen districts in the state that are not that are not taking part in any. Uh, USDA free lunch programs at all. Those are 13 districts that don't qualify for the free meal for lunch program because in order to qualify for the free meals for all program, you have to already be part of the USDA, you know, free lunch or free breakfast program. And there's 13 school districts in the state that don't participate in the free lunch or free breakfast program. So you might want to ask them, those 13 districts, why aren't you participating in, in this program to provide free lunch to poor uh, to poor students, uh, the free breakfast or the free lunch program, which is just for lower uh, income students and their families. So we have the policy discussion, uh, which is not really what happened in the aftermath of this Washington Post article. And to be clear, local media reported this first. So this board meeting happens in June. I believe WPR was the first one with the story in August. And then you see a few more stations kind of trickle in during the week and do the story. And then the Washington Post comes down with this story and with the word spoiled in the headline. That clearly was really what accelerated this. That seems to be what accelerated it. And um, 
there's a there's a journalism ethics question or discussion, and maybe that's for another episode, maybe that's for later today, about um, paywalls and headlines and what happens when you have a headline like that um, and then the article is behind a paywall and the article is what gives the headline context because while it was clear going through some of these emails that some people had read the stories and understood the issue, there there were clearly other people who had not. But basically over the weekend and then into Monday morning, Jason, you and I start getting some calls from people who are concerned because they're hearing about board members um, getting hate mail and threats. So we file an open records request with the board members for voicemails and emails. And some of them respond rather quickly. And the other part of this story is the the emails, the messages, the voicemails that these board members got. And a lot of them are so graphic, we probably can't and shouldn't read them on this podcast. Uh, but Jason, that's what you spent a lot of Monday going through. Yeah, it was, I, I have never, I mean, I just couldn't believe um, the amount of messages. I mean, it was, you know, dozens of voicemails. Um, and, and we played those at the top of the show. Uh, some of those voicemails, um, you know, one, one person said, I hope, I, hope you, they, I hope they come for you with torches and pitchfork, pitchforks. Um, and, and lots of, you know, swearing um, at the board members on, on the voicemails. Um, it just kind of a sense of where s- politics and civility is right now. I know this is a hot button issue, but, uh, but yeah, there was a lot of, a lot of I mean, people saying we want to come, I hope people come for, with you, come to you with torches and pitchforks. Uh, I, I've got a stack of emails in front of me. I'm looking at one right here. And this one is, is um, so we did get their, their emails and voicemails. And that's what we requested. And here's, here's one from uh, a person named Randy, and he, he if it's a man, uh, he writes, uh, uh, you know, lots of swear words here at the beginning of the letter. And then he says, uh, all, all of you are going to be spoiled in severe ways. Get ready. And then he lists all nine of their addresses, their home addresses. And then he says, all of you targeted. Um, so that, that's just one sense. Uh, uh, another email says, I, I hope you get hit by a bus. Uh, another one said, um, you're about to get ruined. Another one said, I hope you and your children choke and die. Uh, so these are the kind of messages that were sent to the Waukesha School Board. And I'm looking at the, the dates that these were sent. Uh, and they really, like the one about with the addresses, that one was sent on uh, Friday, August 27th at, at, at about noon. Um, some of these other ones, they, they all seem to have been sent uh, after the Washington Post story, so could, uh, uh, yeah, so that that just put that in context. These are when they were sent. Uh, it looks like according to some of these timestamps on the emails here. And those are the ones we can were able to read, um, s- sitting there and and going through them and and uh, passing them along. I mean, there were sexually explicit emails. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were. It, it's not just a matter of a few mean emails, uh, which you know, those of us working in, in broadcast are, are used to receiving, it's, uh, there, w- this was a, a different level. And yeah. I, I just clicked on one randomly as you guys are talking here and, and, and it says, it describes the board members as completely evil wastes of human skin. Yeah. That's, that's a random email I clicked on. 
Um, yeah. It's some pretty tough stuff that that was coming in over this. Yeah, and and look, there were some emails that were thoughtful discussions about policy. So there's this one from a, a Waukesha teacher that says, as a teacher in the district, I volunteered last year to hand out meals at the end of the day when we were in the cohort learning model. At first, we were announcing the students needed to leave their classroom a couple minutes prior to the day ending to get their free lunch or dinners and return back to class. We realized this was a direct visual of who needed the support and who didn't, so we changed it. I understand families are still able to apply and receive free and reduced lunch, but this federally funded program allows another year of access to everybody, no questions asked. So this is someone saying, hey, here's my experience. I disagree with you. That did not reflect the majority of the messages that that we've seen so far that came in. Yeah, that's right. I mean, again, just put, put like like Brian did, point up a random one here. Um, this one is is to uh, Karen Reinecheck as well. Uh, I'm not surprised to learn your name is Karen or that your phone number is fill in the blank here has been disconnected. I am writing this email to share with you my utter disgust as a person as callous and cruel as you having a job where you get to make decisions for children. And at the end, it, it says, here is to hoping that your own children suffer hunger and are met with cruelty and judgment by those they turn to for help. Yeah, Jason, I, w- I want to point out because Karen yeah. is the one who's probably received some of the harshest messages. Yeah, because she's yeah. the one who that quote was attributed to. Correct, the one the who made quote. the comment with the word "spoil." And, and and she tried even even at the follow up uh, meeting where they revoted uh, on this. She tried to. She she didn't. Uh, back down from that, she tried to, again, give further context to that comment and, and explain what she meant by it, which in, in her words, and I'm paraphrasing here, were that she was saying that parents like her who can afford mm-hmm. lunches would become spoiled by free lunches that they didn't need. Um, and, and that she felt that this was something that the district should not and the district's parents who were affluent enough to afford lunches shouldn't become addicted to these freebies, essentially. And again, I'm paraphrasing, but is is that fair based on what you guys have seen? That's what she was intending to say or what she was trying to get across. Clearly, that's not the message that, that uh, people were hearing when you see this, this kind of vitriolic response. From a uh, public leader, public relations standpoint, when you're speaking at a public meeting, and even if you have a, a bunch of context surrounding what you're trying to say, when you use the word spoiled, when you're discussing oh, yeah. a free lunch program for whether it's for all your students or for students who meet a certain threshold, that that is going to be what is quoted from the meeting. That's just yeah, I, my, that's what's my guess would happen. be. My guess would be if she had uh, an advisor, uh, for, you know, or a publicist, or someone telling her how to, uh, uh, or a staff member saying what you should. Or should that, that was a, that was a mistake. That uh, that that's a political. Uh, uh, well, I, there's a term I would use here that was in one of the emails. I almost I almost use it. I won't. We'll uh, we'll discuss that later. Uh, but it it was a mistake. It was uh, it, it, to say the least. But what was telling to me was she wasn't the only one who used inflammatory language. So you had district admin, a district administrator, Darren Clark, who said that he was worried that families would become addicted to the service, which, you know, was another uh, another quote that uh, didn't sit well with some people. And, and it got referenced. But in my opinion, because it was in the Washington Post headline, the spoiled quote is really what 
took off. And we've requested Darren Clark's emails and voicemails, and we don't have them yet. And I will be very interested to see if he got the same level of hate mail and and messages and threats um, as as Karen did. Right. And, and, and I mean, again, I think, you know, talking to people that are friends with with Karen, I, I think they were really alarmed with with that with that headline, um, because, again, in, in behind the paywall, there's not the full context of what she was trying to get at, which is she still wanted to provide free meals to poor students. She still wanted to help those that were in need. She was trying to say people like her, and this is what she clarified, but families that don't, that have the means should provide their own lunch. They shouldn't get a free meal if, if they have the money. And, and, and if they're a wealthy Waukesha family, they, they shouldn't be getting free meals, which was her argument. And then for Darren Clark, uh, the assistant superintendent and the CFO of the district, when he was speaking at the June meeting, you know, he, he did point out, you know, the most needy students under whatever decision the board made at that meeting in June, whatever whatever decision you make, the most needy students are going to be helped. So I think, again, I think, I think for Karen's associates and her, her supporters, they were upset that her her quotes they thought were taken out of context. They, the full context of what she was saying, which was support the people that are in need, the poorer students, but don't give free meals to all because there's wealthy people that don't need that help. That was her argument. And they thought that that was totally missed in the headlines that just mentioned the spoiled comments. Well, and, and Jason, I want to go back to a very important point here, which is as the federal program exists right now, the waivers that are in place that allow school districts to provide free lunches and breakfast to all students, regardless of uh, financial need, um, that waiver has been extended a couple of times. It is now June of 2022. So as it stands, as we sit here today, the entire rest of the country is going to go back to the system that Waukesha initially voted to go back to the evil, hateful, awful, shameful system. According to these emails, the whole country set to go back to that system in less than a year. Right. Unless unless something changes. Now, there is legislation. There are those who believe this should be a permanent system that free lunches and breakfast in school should be universal forever. Bernie Sanders is one of those. He's the co-sponsor of a bill, but one of the co-sponsors of that legislation is Wisconsin Congresswoman Gwen Moore. Uh, and so there is a proposal out there to make this permanent. And 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 obviously, this is a there's a bigger picture debate as the the pandemic eventually does wane, uh, and, and this becomes no longer a COVID nineteen issue, but just a simple question of should free lunches be universal to all in in public schools. Um, then then that, that that question is out there. That's a debate that's still to be had, I guess. And, and I, I do think it's interesting to put this debate into context that the vitriol that's been expressed about what Waukesha had voted to do is, in fact, the system that will be in place nine months from now unless something changes. That's right. Yeah. The, the, this program, it, it ends when when the school year ends. So as soon as the school year ends, even if it's before you know June, uh, the, the program ends. Jason, what was your big takeaway from all this because you covered a couple different angles of this story yeah and and we didn't we didn't uh, mention that you know just yesterday uh there was there was a 
a threat reported to, to police. Um, you know, we saw we saw the emails and the voicemails that we just talked about that that we reported on Monday, and then on Tuesday there was a nine one one call placed because a, a gentleman showed up at uh, the workplace. It's a it's a marketplace in Waukesha, and in that marketplace is a salon that's run by one of the board members, Karen Reinacek. and uh, the board a, member a pers- who made the spoiled comment. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, the one that I think got the the brunt of the the the, uh, the emails and voicemails and, and criticism at the na- on the national stage, uh, somebody showed up and that person was dressed in what appeared to be police uniform but wasn't a police officer, and uh, asked to you know asked to see Karen for for you know wanted to talk to Karen. Uh, so this led to the marketplace calling the police. Police show up, and it turns out that. This was a non-story. So, so the the police dispatcher said, "It look, um, uh, there's a person dressed as a police officer looking for a school board member." So, police show up. Uh, there was a Twitter account um, that tweeted out uh, a false narrative that uh, that somebody was impersonating a police officer and was trying to take Karen Reinacek, or, or he didn't mention her name, but was trying to take a Waukesha school board member into custody. So there was a lot of worries, uh, but that tweet was false. Police showed up. There was nobody trying to impersonate a police officer. This gentleman was just looking for a haircut, and he happened to have just finished his his shift as a security guard. Uh, And so he was in what could look like a police uniform, but was his security guard uniform showed up looking for a haircut. He wanted to support Karen because of all the, the backlash. Yeah, that, isn't that, that the irony? He was actually there. He was supportive of her, right? He wasn't That's, actually there to, quote unquote, arrest her at all. Right, right. So that tweet that said that he was going to take her into custody was completely false. Uh, I talked to Waukesha police. They, they, they were convinced that this man posed no threat. He was truly a poli- uh, security guard. They were able to confirm that. And they said he was just looking to, uh, to support her. And, and even on uh, talk radio on the Dan O'Donnell show, we, we, we played a, a quote from him or soundbite from him uh and and he was telling his listeners on monday to please go support this particular salon because she's getting national backlash and there's people posting comments on google reviews and other review services criticizing uh her salon and you can tell that you know in the vitriol it was directed toward uh her comments on the school board it wasn't directed to her service providing uh uh hairdressing services uh so dan o'donnell said hey if you want, please go support Karen. Please go support her salon. So this gentleman, we don't know what his impetus was, if he was listening to that show or not, but he went there to support her, and the police were called. It turned out to be a false alarm. Everybody was safe. But again, you can. Ju- I think that story just shows how tense people are right now, how tense uh, school board members are, including in Waukesha, because you've seen the emails, you've seen the voicemails. There are threats out there. There are hate mail coming to them. So you can see that there is a tense atmosphere right now. And, and we know that that's not just in Waukesha. Uh, we know that in Oconomowoc, three school board members resigned because they said uh, they couldn't, you know, the, 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 system, the vitriol was just so immense. They, one of the school board members in Oconomowoc that resigned said he was worried uh, after meetings that he was going to go to his car and the windows would be smashed or the, or the, uh, the tires would be slashed. Uh, so that's the environment that And these were board members we who were receiving these messages because of COVID mitigation strategies. So these are board members who tended to fall on the other side of of issues than than Karen over in Waukesha does. That's right. Yeah. So you can see that on both sides, 
there are people that are conservative board members or, or more progressive board members. They're getting what they think, uh, you know, what they're describing as vitriol, a toxic, uh, toxic environment right now at these school board meetings where people are coming out yelling. Uh, we, we've seen a number of stories that, that we've included where, where the school board has had to shut down meetings because it's gotten so intense with people shouting. Um, so that's kind of the environment right now for statewide school board mem- meetings as they're debating things like masks, as they're debating things like COVID mitigation strategies and the like. You know, for a long, long time, I've been in the news business and have heard people talk for years about the need to get people engaged in local politics. I guess maybe careful what you wish for. And that's about as good a time as any for us to go off the record. This is the part of the podcast where we get a little more personal, have a little fun by answering a question we have not prepared for. And once again, Sarah Smith is here to ask us that question as we think of our best answers 30 seconds after the podcast recording has stopped. Hey, Sarah. Hey. <laughs> oh, hi. I was, I was waiting, waiting, and then I stepped on you anyway. Um, hello. Hi. Hi, Jason. Um, hey, good morning. Hi. So, um, you know, last week we got a little insightful about, like, special skills and stuff, and <laughs> I'm back on my food beat. Um, just because, I don't know, I always feel like it just is insightful to what people I really like. So my question today, what is the one ingredient that you always ask to be omitted, if possible, from a dish? So a restaurant or, you know, if you're making something at home and the recipe calls for it, what are you like? Oh, hold the... I, I don't always, but I mean, this is the obvious one, right? I mean, on sandwiches at sandwich shops, I usually say just no onions. And not because because I like onions in food. What I don't like is onions to dominate a food, especially large slices of onions. And a lot of times at sandwich shops, they will just douse something in raw, uncooked onions that I they're they're crunchy and they take over the flavor of the food. And so that for me, it's it's hold the onions now. Brats and kraut, that's fine. They can dominate the, the brat. I'm okay with that. But there's something about like just sort of cold, uncooked onions on a sub sandwich that I say just leave that off there. Uh, what Brian said, except for tomatoes. I like really? I like tomatoes, but I like a very specific tomato to the rest of my food <laughs> ratio. And when you have like big slices of tomatoes, it like ruins it. Like I, they need to be diced. They it needs to be very specific. And most places aren't going to do that. So I just say, you know what, hold the tomatoes. And for me, it's also holding the hot peppers because I just have terrible physical reactions when I eat really spicy food. So I remember going to a Jamaican restaurant with my wife and uh, it's like, oh, is this, is this spicy? And they're like, no, no, it's, it's not spicy. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was, it, was, it was amazing. I mean, it was amazing how spicy it was. This was not spicy to the, uh, to the server. Uh, and, and I mean, I'm, I'm choking, you know, my nose is running, I'm coughing, and then I get the hiccups and the hiccups don't go away. Uh, so that was really spicy, but just even, even a normal, like a spicy salsa, uh, you know, my nose will start running and, uh, and, and I'll just, you know, but, but the hiccups and, and all of that, that was at that Jamaican restaurant and my wife and I still laugh about it uh, to this day. I'd like to have, I'd like to try some more Jamaican food. We need to get together for drinks and have Jason eat hot peppers yeah. just for our entertainment <laughs> at this point. 
but doesn't the the like I'm a spicy. I love, but the hotter the better. And I the, the, when I feel that like mustache sweat and like brow sweat, <laughs> it makes me feel alive. Like I'm like, oh, look at this stuff. <laughs> it's working. Oh, it's so good. Like obviously there's that fine line between like too spicy and like loses the flavor of all the thing it touches. But man, hot sauce, like mm, so good. Um, so, so you are not saying hold the hot peppers. I'm not. No, I'm like extra. Like even yesterday, Eric goes, I wonder if they can make this hotter. I'm like, I don't know. Um, the uh, pack of Tums, that's, you know, that's another thing. Or like a gas X. But anyway, um, I'm also team no tomatoes. I love all tomato products. So I love salsa, bruschetta. I mean, ketchup, spaghetti sauce, all of it, which is also just kind of weird. But uh, chunks of tomatoes or like taco dip. I always hold, I don't, I don't put tomatoes on my side. It's, you know, the taco dip divided. So I don't know. I don't like tomatoes either. It's a, I think it's a texture thing. I'm very much a texture person. I don't like yogurt. It's weird for me, but as I've pointed out in past podcasts, I love ice cream. So I don't really know where the balance is there. (laughs) Well, you know, I can't, I can't believe I didn't say this, and anyone who knows me would say, why'd you go with onions? Because for me, it's pickles. Oh, if you oh, put pickles, pickles... are amazing. What? Pickle- no, 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 no. You put pickles on a burger, you have ruined the burger. And it goes back to oh, my childhood. No. McDonald's, I would order... As a kid, I'd order cheeseburgers with no onions, no pickles. If they left the onions on, I was fine. If they left the pickles on, I would cry. I was the so onions upset. are trash on those. <laughs> I know, but 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 that's how much I hated pickles. I've always the pickle slice that comes with the sandwich, pickle spear. Get it away from my fries and chips. I don't want it to touch them. The juice is gross. I love cucumbers. I, I, I love I cucumbers. Apparently, strongly. I just don't like the pickling juice. Wow. So <laughs> yeah. I never Hot knew. Tail. I know this is this a- is an audio like. Medium, so people can't see Brian's face right now. I don't think I've ever seen you look more dis like just disgusted. disgusted. Well, and and I've never seen all of you look so surprised at me and almost disappointed. But you know what? That's fine. If we get together and we all go for sandwiches and there's pickle spears, you can all have mine. Perfect. I'll take your onion. You take my tomato. Is that across the board for pickles? Like all different varieties of pickles? Dill, I, dill, sweet doesn't matter. Don't don't like pickles. Don't wow. want pickles. Don't get them near me. Leave the uh, you know. What yeah, about other things other that are pickled? That's like what's capers. weird. I mean, I'm, yeah, no, I'm I'm really not a big fan of most anything pickled. And oddly enough, it took me a long time in life to to enjoy sauerkraut, which has sort of a similar you know mm. texture to it. Um, but I just associate that with sort of brats which I love and so I got to love them together and and that's good I so I'm sure it's it's probably why you guys know my my condiment was relish right get it out of here because it's pickle relish get it out of here anything associated with pickles gone I'm done I am just uh, can I go on today I don't even know um also (laughs) can you all still be my friend yeah (laughs) that's that's fair no because I'll be by you because I'll eat your pickles um that's fine also, let the record show that I also hate coconut, so that's not Ooh. coming anywhere near oh. my business. So, anyway. All right. Well, we will um, have to continue to hash this out when we are able to meet up <laughs> for a meal at some point because I love coconut. Um, if you have a question, it doesn't have to be about food, um, but it can be about food. If you have a question you'd like to submit for off the record, a topic you want us to discuss, an issue you think we should investigate – please go ahead, send us an email. You can send your emails to fox6investigators at fox.com. Again, that's fox, the number six, investigators at fox.com. This is the part where I want to cue Dave to start playing that song. If you like pina coladas, there's the coconut. 
Anyway, as always, thank you to the people who make this podcast possible. Producer Pete, Dave Machuda, Suzanne Barthel, and of course, Sarah Smith. Please subscribe to Open Record if you haven't already. You can find it wherever you get your podcasts. And with that, I'm Brian Polson for Amanda St. Hilaire. We'll be back again next week. Thank you.